listen to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm glad you've made the connection and are with us today. I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and we like to explore a wide range of topics that help us see ourselves, our community, and the world around us in ways that get us thinking. Perhaps get us thinking artistically, or thinking scientifically, or thinking business-wise, but they're all kind of part of the connection. We want to get inspired or challenged to do just a bit more because we've made the connection. We're talking today about books, about writing books, exploring books, and we're going to take the opportunity to talk with both an author and an editor about the process of writing books. Because I believe that everyone out there has a story within them, a story that they'd like to share, but maybe they don't know how, or maybe they don't feel like they're good enough, or maybe they don't know how to get started, and they need someone to help guide them in the process. So we'll use the opportunity of having Michael Dardis, who just has completed The Dark Side of the Sun in the last few years and is writing his second in the, um, looks like it's going to be at least a threesome, you think, of a a, a a book collection. Maybe five, maybe seven, who knows, in this series. There's enough to do enough in this series. It's The Dark Side of the Sun. Michael Dardis, Minnesota author. Welcome. Thank you, Lori. Appreciate it. Thank you. And we also have Angela Weekman, who is of AMW Editing, who really stood side by side in helping to guide and support. I have this image almost like um, Ariel in in Prospero's Tempest, the <laughs> yes. Shakespeare, that you don't really see, but it's all part of the magic, magic. that makes things happen, uh, that brings things to life. Um, Michael wrote a, a beautiful book that I'd like to have you consider giving to a friend or buying for yourself for the holidays, The Dark Side of the Sun. It takes place over a 40-year period, and you experience two wars, uh, brave people fighting through the darkness to discover that there's love and hope and honor. You get to go through living in Detroit in the Great Depression. You're in Nazi Germany the next moment. You're in Vietnam the next moment. And through it all, you're looking at love and family and what connects us and what are the challenges. So lots to cover when you're editing uh, a book that has so many dimensions, Mm -hmm. that have so many sub-stories. I'm not even going to say subplots. These are fully contained stories that together create an understanding of the historical context. Um, quite the challenge, but something that you both feel very strongly was better done by having the both of you work on it. Yes, uh, yes, yes. Uh, these are these are choppy waters, and you need somebody out there with you in that process. And this is part two. Uh, we, if you missed last week's, I, I encourage you to go back to our uh, podcast and listen to last week as well. We're going to do a little deeper dive about the process of writing, and and I also during this period of doing the deeper dive, I hope that you'll reflect on your own story and what you'd like to write and what you'd like to do and think of it in terms of that as well. So I'd like to start with Angela. Tell me about your background and why you became an editor. I know that in college you did a lot of forensic um, competition and you're, yes. you're, you're able to do the commercials and do our show <laughs> last week with uh, delight and aplomb. So I know that you're a good communicator and that yes. you love communicating. But how did you move towards editing? Well, I think, honestly, it, it everything begins in the beginning, of course. So in the beginning, I was that kid who read and read and read and read, and I wrote and wrote and wrote. I have still binders and binders of all these little stories and not-so-little stories, big, big stories that I was writing. And, and did you have an editor? I did not have an editor. I was you no, need an editor. I did. I, that would have been lovely. Uh, so no, I, I got into high school, and that's actually where I was in with speech, uh, the speech competitions. Absolutely, I, I did a little bit of drama, but actually, uh, my 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 destiny was set when there was a conflict in my schedule in high school between whether I wanted to be in the drama club or whether I wanted to do the high school newspaper. 
and the high school newspaper won out. So here I am. And for me, I got in the drama club. So there you go. Yes, <laughs> yes. So uh, I am now here today talking to you about editing because of a little, you know, scheduling uh, problem with six-hour uh-huh. high school back in Brainerd, Minnesota. But uh, when I got into the high school newspaper, it was like finding myself in water and not realizing all along I've been this fish longing Mm. for water. It was Mm. so natural. It was so perfect. And not just the actual, you know, the mechanics, like what we talked about last week with the copy editing. It was, again, I I was already going deeper with this sense of immersion. And importantly, the, the sense of being able to collaborate and work with these writers. Now, these writers are just teenagers they're my friends they're people who are maybe even older than me upperclassmen and it was so natural and it, I, I knew from the beginning that this was a process that required trust and and in positive encouragement and my guess is you knowing these um, friends the way that you did you knew what they were trying to say yes. but it wasn't always coming out on the paper yes. yes it wasn't always coming up on the copy that they were giving you correct and you were you you can do more yes there's more to this story yes and and how you would encourage them i assume yes and i think too there that right away that 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 teaching aspect that growth aspect was there i remember in my senior year uh there was a sophomore who was on this on the staff and he was so earnest and he wanted so badly to to write a front page story oh. and he 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 needed some editing uh he needed a lot of editing and we worked all year long and by the end he was in markedly improved and he got that front page story and i actually took that experience with me when i was in college then i went to the u uh thought i was going to go into journalism because i thought that's what the newspaper experience in high school had taught me that i wanted to be a journalist but then i realized no if i'm going to write i want to be on the creative the literary side of things so i went for uh, to be an english major emphasis in creative writing and uh, quickly realized, I mean, this was back in, I, I began uh, at the U in 1996. We didn't have self-publishing yet. If you mm-hmm. wanted to be a writer, you had to get through some gate somewhere, yeah. and that just didn't happen. So if you wanted to be a writer, you basically wanted to have no money. <laughs> and, and the internet hadn't really it hadn't. taken off in the way that it is now, no. where self-publishing is viable yes. with, with the channels of communication Absolutely. that we have. Absolutely, yeah. and I'm so glad that we do have these. So, but back then I'm like, well, what am I going to do with this? And I started thinking back to the high school newspaper. And I thought about especially that one student who I really helped. And I thought, I think this means I should be a teacher. Mm -hmm. And so like any English major, you know, teaching is kind of, you know, you feel like you have so few options. I think when you don't, when you think inside the box about Mm -hmm. what you can do with that kind of a major. And, but then I realized, yeah, no, you know, I don't think I really want teaching. So I don't know. And I remember talking to one of my academic advisors and I said, well, yeah, I, I had this, you know, editing experience back in high school. And she just stopped me. <laughs> what? And what? Yes. Tell me more. It Tell was, me more. <laughs> she said, we need good editors. Huh. And there was actually an editing course taught by Jean Barker Nunn. She was absolutely fantastic. I owe so much to what she taught us with a intro class and then an, uh, an advanced class the next uh-huh. year. And, but until that point, I honestly never thought, hey, I could be an editor. That is a thing. That is a job. That is a career. And once I realized this is a possibility, I never looked back. Because it pulled in teaching, but it, it wasn't did. the requirement of 30. Yes. It was doing the deeper dive. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think... Um, you know, straight out of college, I went right into a job at a traditional publishing house. I was there for about eight, nine years. Mm-hmm. And now the last 10, 11, I've been freelancing, which nice. I love. Just this is where I do. I get to, I get to do this immersion editing idea. Mm-hmm. I get to, um, do classes for authors, you know, actual teaching. I do classes mm-hmm. for editing and um, especially with working with self-publishing authors like Michael, um, this is an entirely different feel than working in traditional publishing. Traditional mm-hmm. publishing is wonderful. It's a, it's a great route for many people. But um, in the end, traditional publishing, you typically are giving up on a dotted line, literally, um, some creative control, if not all the creative control. 
And having worked on both sides of that process as an editor, I, I see the difference. Mm -hmm. And boy, I, I sure like being on this side mm -hmm. where I'm working with authors who say, this, I'm, I'm, I'm putting the investment behind this and I'm putting the accountability behind this. And I, I do, I want this to, to, I want my dream to come to fruition in a way that is authentic to me. And I'm here as the editor to help that happen. How many authors will you be working with typically? Oh, um, probably it could be anywhere from within a given, any given time. I might have, honestly, 10, 12, 15 projects going at once. Uh, I'm keeping I, track of all of that. Oh, it is. It is. Uh, I envision a spreadsheet. There is a spreadsheet. <laughs> it's in OneNote. And oh, I, I, there's a spreadsheet. Now, whether I can actually keep uh, up with it, uh, yeah. a lot of the spreadsheet just happens in my brain, but uh -huh. uh, it's all, it's an ebb and flow, you sure. know, and I think because this is a, a deeper process, you know, I'll, I'll take an afternoon, uh, work on Michael's book, and then mm -hmm. off it goes with that one chapter to him, and then I move on in the you know the next day to this other person's. But it uh, it all balances out, and um, I wouldn't want it any other way because it's it's difficult to say um, no to someone yeah. when I see this amazing story, and I'm just so excited to dive in with them. And for more information, you can go to amwediting.com and see all the cool things that uh, Angela's working on. Um, we're also, in our next segment, going to talk uh, with Michael about the experience of, as a first-time writer, what was that like and why it was important for him to, to have a partner like Angela. And I want, again, for our audience to be thinking about, this could be your process. Maybe you've got that book, or maybe you've written another book, but this book that you have inside you needs to have a bit more a partner to help make it real and make it um, come to life so stay with us we'll be right back after a few commercials um, and Michael Dardis's book is The Dark Side of the Sun and you can look up his work at michaeldardis.com During November, the American Diabetes Association is highlighting the numbers that matter most for those living with or at risk of diabetes. If you're unaware of your risk, take the first step by taking the risk test. Get your blood glucose tested and have a conversation with your doctor. If you're living with diabetes, take the first steps for a healthy lifestyle that will make a huge difference. Count Me In is a call to action for all of us. For more information, be sure to visit diabetes.org. Writing a book is like diving into deep, uncharted waters. That's why you need immersion editing. I'm Angela Weekman of amwediting.com. After 20 years of experience, I believe editing should be meaningful and empowering. So let's get started with an immersion assessment. We'll immerse in a portion of your manuscript to determine your next steps. Visit amwediting.com for more details. Let's go deeper. This is Chad, owner of AM950. Our station has worked with Barbara from WYSIWYG Web Design for years on everything from logo to print design and especially for developing our website. She does great work and is great to work with listening to what our goals and design ideas were while offering new, innovative ideas to create the website we are proud of today. Barbara made sure she understood our station, our goals, and our mission before she started working on our site and made suggestions to help control the cost. Plus, she's friendly, which set us at ease. I recommend Barbara at WYSIWYG Web Design because I know she will deliver an attractive, professional website within the budget you have. She is a local independent business that specializes in helping other local businesses achieve their website and design goals. She can work with nearly any budget and create anything from simple sites to robust custom functionality. To find out more about the company AM950 Trust, go to WYSIWYGWebDesign.com. Spelled out just like it sounds, WYSIWYGWebDesign.com. I'm Peter Rackler from the Eastside Freedom Library, and I'd like to tell you about an historic place on Payne Avenue. Brunson's Pub is a place where history and passion are a part of every detail, starting with the menu. The Payne Phelan neighborhood arose from Dakota people who lived here for hundreds of years and pioneering immigrant communities, Irish, Swedes, German, and Italians, who made the Eastside their home. 
More recently, waves of new residents from Asia, Latin America, and Africa continue the rich immigrant history and are revitalizing the community's cultural life and economy. Come experience Brunson's Pub at 956 Payne Avenue and grab a discounted gift card when you mention that you're an AM950 listener or a supporter of the Eastside Freedom Library. Be sure to check out Brunson'sPub.com. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and we're talking this week about writing books. Do you have a book inside you that you want written? Well, perhaps today you'll think about it in new ways and how to get partners to help make that happen. We're talking with Michael Dardis, who wrote The Dark Side of the Sun uh, and is working on the sequel now. And we have Angela Weekman, who is the editor uh, of both The Dark Side of the Sun and the upcoming uh, upcoming new sequel book. Yes. Uh, sometime maybe in the next year or two. It will we'll be getting it next year. Oh, next year. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, welcome, Michael. Thank you much, Laurie. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, and welcome, Angela. We're glad you're here. In our last segment, Angela shared about how she discovered what it meant to be an editor, as well as realizing that this was where her heart was and what she best likes to do and uh, the opportunity of being able to work with bringing out the best in the authors that she works with. And now in this segment, I'd like to learn from Michael about taking that idea to write and putting it into a book. And what what what's your background that allows us to have an access to your inspiration for creating a book? Well, I have a I have a love for history that goes back probably because of my family. My mother and father uh, were quite a bit older than the average uh, generation when I was born. My father was would have been 128 years old today. Uh, my mother uh, was born in 1890 uh, 1902. Uh, my family in the Irish side, uh, my father was Irish, uh, was one of the pioneer families in Waseca. They settled in the 1850s. I have a, uh, a great uncle that served in the in the Civil War and against the uh, the Sioux War in 1861 in Minnesota. My mother's family uh, were from Finland. And my father, my grandfather was in the Russian army, and I have relatives that fought against the Russians during the Great Winter War in 1940. <clears throat> so history to me is a great a, backdrop for history. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. So I have this this affinity, and I also served in Vietnam. And part of the reason for my story is that I had the story about experiences in Vietnam that I wanted to put out, and uh, I used this fictional character to display not only my story, but also the story of many other soldiers that I and nurses that I witnessed when I was in Vietnam. So it goes back to that, that historical focus. And people have told me that I not only like history, but I live it. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I can honestly say that's true. And you were hungry to have an opportunity to have that be expressed. Because I know we've talked before about your colleagues and that not always did the Vietnam experience get translated in ways that people could access and understand. So many of the Vietnam veterans, and I work with a lot of them now, uh, never received any respect at all. In some cases, for the first time in 50 years, they received some welcomes uh, in the last few years. And uh, respect for the for what they did yeah, to the serve su- our country. The suffering and the disrespect in the book tries to display that, uh, what the soldiers knew they were going to address when they came back versus what they had to deal with, even those that did not support the war, which very few, I think, supported it after they left, even if they supported it when they were there. Uh, what, but that whole process of, of being able to address the fact that the country was largely ungrateful mm-hmm. uh, in, in showing any respect or treatment for things such as PTSD or Agent Orange issues that went on. And many did not choose to go. The draft enforced them going. And how to, then they may, even if they had a sense of I'm serving my country and my duty, how that changed in the process of serving? Well, I think the process, you know, that's true. I mean, they had the choice. It was a felony if you refused the draft. 
uh, if you uh, and that that was on your record, you would not be able to get a job. Uh, he came out of jail. Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't until much later that the amnesty was given to the draft protesters. So basically, if you unless you had a lot of uh, strength from political strength, financial strength, where you or could, friends in Canada, friends in Canada <laughs> that could lead you on. Mm -hmm. The Canadians had some limits about how many they could take into Canada. Mm -hmm. In my tradition, in my family, uh, at some point, I opposed the war before I went in, but I couldn't run away from it either. It was one of these things like well, you have a surgery that you don't want to face, and you have the choice of either dying or having the surgery, you have the surgery, and you hope you survive it. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what we went in. We went over the idea that we were trying to survive, going to survive. Uh, I had friends. I have six, six people that I know that are on the Vietnam Wall. Three of them are classmates, one I knew very well, two I knew very well, and three from my unit that died in combat. Many of us were wounded there. I was wounded as well as 35 others in my unit. So the sacrifice was obvious. And very different from the Great War. You know, the, the sense that World War II had at least um, a purpose that made sense that you could rally behind. And horrific, Yes. but there was still a <clears throat> sense of a glory in serving. Well, I think the issue, too, is we were attacked in World War II by the mm -hmm. Japanese, and uh, and that was a, a fight that needed to be done for the Holocaust that was going on. That's why I try to address that in the book as well. Um, even some of the Germans that went over there realized that they made a mistake uh, and tried to escape to get back. Uh, so there was, you know, it was a good fight. It was the good fight. And I think uh, normally when you're fighting, you're always fighting for your friends and yourself, uh, there isn't too much glory at the at the level where you have to put the rubber to the road right. and fight somebody face to face. Uh, it's survival uh, and for your friends and so forth. And when the mission is confusing and the war is confusing, well, there's no, when there's no apparent reason. Yeah, uh, you just you know we did. I was in a heavy artillery. There unit. was an absurdity to it at the bottom line. We shot. We shot. We were on a fire base that had been occupied by the French and had been overrun by the Viet Cong. Uh, but when the French were there, uh, we were on that fire base and had been occupied for uh, quite a few years by American artillery units. We were the last one there, but we shot and we shot and we shot and we shot and we blew a lot of jungle up. And, uh, you know, and there was no real reason. Nothing really changed. The enemy still came at us. And finally, they were successful and blew us up. But, uh, you know, beyond that, there was a, kind of a never-ending story that it would just suffer i have to say in the book you <clears throat> captured that well there is this you know the sense of ennui. what 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 does this all mean why is this going on what is the survival i mean there, and i think not enough people understand what that did to folks who were living in those moments and i think this gives you a little bit more understanding by reliving it through the book or living it through the book um, through their eyes, the absurdity and, and the horror at the same time. Well, there's things that you remember, the smells, the look, uh, the absurd things that were done, the foolish orders that were given, the fools that were giving those orders and oftentimes, and what people had to do and what they what price they paid for, these, for those orders. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was... There was plenty of that from my personal experience. Uh, to draw from. You know, I listened to, a, you know, I remember when there was one radio conversation we had with a forward observer. I worked in an artillery for, uh, fire direction center. And we listened to a lieutenant that was out with an Arvin unit with this American radio operator, Sergeant, as they were being abandoned by the uh, South Vietnamese Army. And they, had, they, had, they were facing the attack of, uh, of an NBA battalion. And we, watched, we had to listen to them be killed. Mm. Uh, live Horrific. on the radio. Horrific. And those kind of things you never forget. And, that and, was, it, and it creates a, a desire to write, I have to believe, from, from the get-go, that there's something that people need to understand and how to bring that to them. Well, to me, it was kind of a latent PTSD issue yeah. that I found. With. The more I wrote about it, the more it came to the surface again and again. And my wife had never experienced that with me. Mm -hmm. Typical with the Vietnam veterans, they never talked about it. Nobody wanted to hear it, so you suppressed mm -hmm. it. There was no help there. There was no counseling available. So in, in some ways, art became healing yes, as well. Yes, indeed. And art could be healing for you too, in looking at what are those stories that are within you that need to come out, not only for you, but for all of us around you.
So we're going to keep talking about that and thinking about that. In the next segment, we'll bring back Angela to talk about the process of creating those stories. So stay with us. Twin Cities Ballet is proudly celebrating 10 years of a Minnesota Nutcracker at Ames Center in Burnsville, December 13th through the 15th. Twin Cities Ballet presents this beloved holiday classic with a Minnesota twist and is one of the most attended, must-see holiday events in the Twin Cities. Twin Cities Ballet's A Minnesota Nutcracker will provide delightful entertainment for your whole family. Tickets on sale now at TwinCitiesBallet.org. TwinCitiesBallet.org. This is New Beginnings, hosted by award-winning broadcaster and speaker, Freddie Bell. Freddie, this generation of the baby boomers, people are living longer, so the baby boomers are taking care of elderly parents. Let's talk about your health, and specifically, let's talk about Medicare. Our show features the concerns of America's 78 million baby boomers in employment, finance, health and nutrition, and even entertainment. Join us for New Beginnings, Saturday mornings at 11, brought to you in part by Vision Loss Resources. Writing a book is like diving into deep, uncharted waters. That's why you need immersion editing. I'm Angela Weekman of amwediting.com. After 20 years of working in hundreds of professionally published books, I believe editing should be meaningful and empowering. It should guide both you and your manuscript to full potential. Most editors barely dip their toes into these waters, but I'll immerse myself in your manuscript, internalizing your message, vision, and voice. I'll also immerse myself in a relationship with you, creating a positive connection built on trust, respect, and rapport. So writers, come take the plunge. I offer a wide range of editorial services to fit your book's needs. Or let's get started with an immersion assessment. We'll immerse in a portion of your manuscript to determine your next steps. Visit amwediting.com for more details. Let's go deeper. Hi, this is Ken Hagland, host of Living Healthy and Aging Well, inviting you to listen to our new show airing on Saturdays from noon to one, where we talk about your health and your life and provide insights to living and aging well. Each week, we provide answers to important questions regarding health care, elder care, end-of-life care, and caregiver support to help you and your loved ones plan for the future and enjoy your highest quality of life today. Please join us every Saturday from noon to one for Living Healthy and Aging Well. I'm Peter Rackliff from the Eastside Freedom Library, and I'd like to tell you about an historic place on Payne Avenue, Brunson's Pub. Experience history and passion through the delicious menu, reflecting the East Side's diversity. The choices are limitless. Salads, sandwiches, burgers, and shareable plates. Visit Brunson's Pub at 956 Payne Avenue and grab a discounted gift card when you mention that you're an AM 950 listener or a supporter of the Eastside Freedom Library. Be sure to check out Brunson'sPub.com. With your AM950 weather, this is Eric Nelson. Today will be mostly sunny with a high near 40, and tonight partly cloudy with a low around 30. Sunday, sunny during the day with a high near 42, but at night, rainy with a low of 34. Monday, plan on rain and snow all day with a high of 42 and a low of 29. Eat local Minnesota.com's restaurant of the week is Crooner's Lounge and Supper Club. Offering a unique and contemporary spin on continental cuisine, Crooner specializes in food and drink made popular in the 1920s. Check out this fabulous dining experience at 6161 Highway 65 Northeast in Minneapolis. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show. I'm your host, Lori Fitz, and we're talking this week about writing books. Uh, everyone has a story inside of them. In fact, one of my, my favorite quotes is um, Maya Angelou, who, who says there's no greater agony than bearing an untold story inside you. But the process of writing isn't easy. Uh, and writing well isn't easy. And if we're talking about things that are really important, it can be hard. But the stuff that's really important is, is important for a reason. It's important not only for us to share that story, but for others to hear and create meaning and understanding and aha moments. And I believe there's a story inside you. And I want to share with you through this show today how you might be able to connect with someone that can help you uh, and by learning about the relationship of an author and editor. So we have a Minnesota author. And by the way, his book is amazing, The Dark Side of the Sun. I want to encourage you to go out and get that. Um, and that's Michael Dardis. 
Welcome, Michael. Thank you much, Lori. Michael shared in our last segment, if you are just tuning in, go back to the podcast. Um, it's important to hear some of the early reasons why Michael was looking at sharing this book. As a Vietnam veteran, uh, how can that initial work of the book you want to write get shaped by your experiences? And how do you bring those experiences to life? And Angela Weekman, who is with AMW Editing, that supported Michael through this process. Yes. So Michael shared in the last segment, really part of writing the book was reliving some post-traumatic syndrome, you know, and um, how I am assuming that that can happen, especially when you're going deep, that you start dealing with your own emotions. You might be dealing with experiences that uh, had an impact that, uh, and writing helps you understand that trauma. It's part of the healing but then you as an editor have to play a very important role to make it a safe space to be talking about that sort of stuff. Yes, yes. And that's, again, that comes back to you, you to do this work in a way that really supports the author and the manuscript that is able to go to these levels and these depths. You have to understand that this is not just a story. It isn't just something that he just churned out and it's coming out of nowhere. It's this little story and it's on a page and now we're just going to churn it through the editing and out it goes. Uh, this is, this is uh, real life that's coming on the page. The, uh, sort of a Filtered by years of either living with yes. these ideas or the challenge of these ideas that yes. are not coming out and how do you help birth them? Yes. And I don't always know, you know, of course I knew from our, you know, the, the time that we spent, uh, especially early on in the process, I, I, this is where that relationship gets built. The trust gets laid. The foundations are, are put into place that we can then move forward with. Um, you know, I of course knew he was a Vietnam vet. We talked about that a lot, but at the same time, in any given moment in the book, if there's something happening, there's a there's a battle scene, and those battle scenes were incredibly intense. And I'm a very uh, I, I, I'm an intuitive person. I'm uh, um, I, I, empathy kind of runs deep. I just immediately start feeling things, and I could feel something shifting even in me as I'm editing these words. And now I'm supposed to be again, putting commas in the right sure. place. You know, I'm doing and, and making sure it's all in this right and arrangement. And suddenly you're in Vietnam. And suddenly I'm in <laughs> Vietnam. Yeah. And on top of it. I don't know if this is a is a fictional moment that is representational of Michael's true experiences or the experiences of someone he knew, or if it's completely fabricated, or maybe this was exactly word for word, moment for moment, what he experienced. Mm -hmm. I have, and in any case, you yes. have to have a gentle spirit to exactly. help make it okay to be talking yes. about something as horrific. Yes, this is not the time to suddenly put a comment and say, uh, well, this is a really clunky sentence. I don't know why, you know, nobody, this doesn't belong here. No, this is... Every, there's a reverence. There's a reverence. There is a respect. Um, I spent quite a bit of commenting about just my own experience going along with the book saying, oh my gosh, this is, this is intense. Um, and I wanted him to know that I was feeling that, you know, mm -hmm. yes, I'm going and I'm, I'm moving sentences around and I'm, and it's, it's, it's working on so many levels. And, but I do hear you and I do yes. hear what you are saying. Yes. And not only do I hear you, but now I'm the bridge to make sure that the reader hears you. This moment that Mike felt that he put onto the word into the page, those then are transmitted to me and I'm in the middle. I get to to work with those words. I have the honor of working with those words. And to make sure that, you know, maybe it is little things with punctuation. Maybe it's a this word versus that word. Or a style sheet that you can go back to yes. and go, wait a minute. Is yes. this really something? Are we imposing our 21st century yes. on 1969? Yes. Yeah. Or something as simple as if we hyphenate this word, it might ease readability. This mm -hmm. is, we need the reader 
to navigate these words so they aren't just words on a page. Mm -hmm. They are meaning. They mm -hmm. are heart. They're story. They're, they're real. They come alive. And that's what makes great writing great. That's why we love the books we love. And mm -hmm. that's why when we see these other books, we go, yeah, you know, that was okay. Yeah. 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 All right. That's kind of fun. But, mm. You know, it didn't touch me. It, I didn't connect. It didn't, it didn't go deep enough. It didn't go deep enough. And um, that was my job to, at any moment, say, this, is, this, this needs to be honored. Was there a moment in the process that you felt like she really gets this? That there, there's something, there is a trust that happened that you went, yeah, I've got a good partner well, here. Well, I think I almost, <clears throat> as soon as she read through the manuscript and we sat down and she was basically feeding back the story to me. Were you a little uh, surprised? Uh, I was. I was pretty amazed because uh, not only did she have the story now, but she had the feel for the story, and that is very unusual. Mm -hmm. You know, to take something like that, just three hundred, four hundred pages, and you know, to apply it back and saying, well, "This is the story with this nurse and this this soldier and this whatever." And to understand the, the movement back and forth between the historical eras and the cultural eras, building this continu historical continuity, and that's really what the story is. It's the historical continuity of families that wind up at this point. Um, could be anybody's family, but these are not unusual. Uh, it happens. And she had that feel, and, and I think we're looking at the wording. Uh, a lot of your, what I liked about that is that you allowed me to, well, I was using shorter bursts of words, blah, 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 blah. And I started de developing a triad. Almost like one. a drill sergeant. Yeah. Almost yes. like, <laughs> drive the emotion. Yeah. Urgency. Short, three short sentences, three short words, mm -hmm. rather than an elongated process, because you got the point across right away. And... I, I think that was really what I got. I mean, I got that out of right, almost right away. And, and that gets back to what you were sharing last week about the difference between telling and creating the experience. Yes. And yeah. you helped, helped him see the importance of the experience. Yes. Because he knew the experience. He had felt the experience. Yes. He was there. Mm -hmm. But the audience may not have access to that experience yes. without some more detail, without more context. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think it's the... It's almost like both of us then, Michael and I, have to enter into this relationship and go deeper with this reader. It, okay. And how do you do that? The reader doesn't the, the reader doesn't exist quite yet. So it's almost like tapping into some sort of collective consciousness. It is. Almost. It almost sounds like you're translating, though. Yes. There's a language yes. that is needed for the reader. Yeah. And you'd have to have that grammar, that language mm -hmm. that allows them to come into this new language that's being created. Yes. Yes. Having, a, you know, another person do that, that translation process that, when one, that the person gets it. Secondly, that the reader is probably going to follow along now mm -hmm. and follow along more effectively with what the story is all about. And I think that that's consistently with all the feedback I've gotten on this book. Uh, I have yet to have anybody tell me that they couldn't follow it. Mm -hmm. Which is, I can't tell you, yeah. audience, yeah. how important that is. This is very many stories yes. combined that then seamlessly all come together with tremendous aha. Yeah. And you don't realize it until practically the end, how all the strings come together. Yeah. It, it, a little bit of a whodunit, but more about a whodunit with heart. Yeah. Yeah. Just how does history happen? How do, how are any one of us standing right here, right now? It's because of decisions with the generations before us, of cultures before us, of historical moments before us. And to bring that all together and to show these common threads between it, it's... And to have some surprises along the way. Yes. Yes, that's it's a huge it's in a it's it's a huge undertaking, and I was there to make sure that all of these threads really come together in the way Mike wants them to. And how long would you say that this whole process took to to from the inkling of starting the book, drafting the book, to all through the edits? Well, it took uh, I think a year to write the draft, and that well, I should say two years between writing. And historically, doing the historical research, the website, my website has uh, 13 of those categories we, 
researched on everything from Agent Orange to what happened during the Hoover administration with the spies and so forth, and even the German-American boon in the United States going back to the 30s. That took a year just to go through that to make sure we had massaged that, and then a year, a year of editing. Mm -hmm. And we're ready to go to production with that. And I looked back at my archives as I was you know, prepping for the show. We had uh, 139 different files oh that my. were sent back and <laughs> forth. And there were about 250 email threads. Not emails. Email threads. And each of those threads could have had four or five different emails back and forth. It was... It but, was part, but part of that, I have to believe, is that your style is such that you take things in chunks. Yes, yes. And that, you know, being able to really do a deep dive on yes. each chunk and give that honor and that yes. that chunk being looked at as an entirety. And it's, it's different. This is a bit unorthodox. I look at it and say, I really, this should be the rule and not the uh. exception. It should be the other way around. But the a more standard conventional way to edit is Michael would have given his editor this entire huge manuscript and all of its complexities and emotional pieces. And that person would have said, OK, I'm going to see you in about mm, three months, maybe, maybe even less. Uh, and and then, I'll get it ready for print. And then, yep. And here you go. Here it is back. That's it. And there's crazy track changes all over it. There's questions. What if that editor didn't quite grasp something right. you know there were many and they times, took off on their own yes there were yeah. many times where i would say is this what you meant and then he'd say oh actually no and then I'd go, oh okay then we could adjust i don't know how you could do that in one entire piece you you simply can't go deep with that michael i know that you would encourage any new author to consider the process of working with a great editor absolutely it's the greatest investment you're going to make and frankly any, any publisher is going to recommend that that's exactly what you do. Great cover, great editor. And no doubt, Angela, you would consider a great editor. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> so for more information on editing, go to amwediting.com. Learn about Angela's style. And for a great book for the holidays, go to michaeldartis.com and learn about his great book. And make sure you order it, too, The Dark Side of the Sun. We'll be right back. Hello, my name is Michael Dardis. I want to share with you the excitement I'm receiving from the readers of my novel, The Dark Side of the Sun. It's been described as an action-packed crossword puzzle that eventually comes together, revealing a real mystery that could have changed the course of World War II. The novel is a work of historical fiction covering 40 years of struggles by six families across parts of five continents. They are ordinary people in extraordinary times. It is about relationships. They make difficult decisions to survive and maintain their love for each other and their country. You can follow the continuing story at michaeldartis.com. The novels received many five-star reviews from Goodreads and Amazon. The Dark Side of the Sun can be purchased at michaeldartis.com, Amazon, and you can buy an autographed copy through itaskofbooks.com. It is an outstanding holiday gift. I'm Connie Burek, co-host of Awakened Living Infusion Radio Show. Join Michelle Kitzmiller and I as we focus on all aspects of health, wellness, spirituality, and growth from a mind, body, spirit, emotion perspective. On the Awakened Living Radio Show, we will discuss stress, self-care, fear, happiness, beliefs, communication, joy, pain, trauma, and more. Join us for the Awakened Living Infusion radio show Saturdays at 10 a.m. Let us share with you ways to infuse vitality into life. During November, the American Diabetes Association is highlighting the numbers that matter most for those living with or at risk of diabetes. If you're unaware of your risk, take the first step by taking the risk test. Get your blood glucose tested and have a conversation with your doctor. If you're living with diabetes, take the first steps for a healthy lifestyle that will make a huge difference. Count Me In is a call to action for all of us. For more information, be sure to visit diabetes.org. Dad, this is fun. I didn't think I'd like kayaking. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it, but I think it's time to head back in. Okay. 
Can we come back? Sure. Hey, be careful getting out of the boat. It's a kayak, Dad. <laughs> I'm going to return the kayak. Can we walk home? How about a taxi? It's a short fare from your neighborhood to your naturehood. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a neighborhood park or green space near you. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the U.S. Forest Service. Twin Cities Ballet is proudly celebrating 10 years of a Minnesota Nutcracker at Ames Center in Burnsville, December 13th through the 15th. Twin Cities Ballet presents this beloved holiday classic with a Minnesota twist and is one of the most attended, must-see holiday events in the Twin Cities. Twin Cities Ballet's A Minnesota Nutcracker will provide delightful entertainment for your whole family. Tickets on sale now at TwinCitiesBallet.org. TwinCitiesBallet.org. your host. We've been talking about the process of writing. I believe everyone out there has a book inside them wanting to be written, but you may not know how to get that written. So today we have part two of discussing the writer and editor relationship, and we're exploring it by exploring the book, The Dark Side of the Sun, excellent book for the holidays. Be sure to think about that. Put it on your gift list. Uh, Michael Dardis wrote that book. He is a Minnesota author. And Angela Weekman from AMW Editing helped bring that piece to life. Welcome to you both. Thanks, Laura. Yes. So we've had a wonderful conversation. We had a great conversation last week and as well a wonderful conversation this week about this amazing book um, and how it takes us through 40 years. It's historical fiction, so there needs to be an honoring of the history. But it's also a deep dive into your personal past and looking at your time in Vietnam, relationships. Um, It's a discovery process in... How wonderful it was to have a partner that helped you through to go to that deeper dive to make it happen. Um, In our last segment, we were talking about how you do such a beautiful job, uh, Angela, in taking chunks and really doing that deep dive on the chunk. But as we were talking at break, it's not just the chunks were worked on. It's that you it didn't disrupt the whole arc or flow that that had been thought about. So by doing the deeper dive, it didn't then change everything else in the book because there'd already been sort of a tacit understanding that you knew what, what the flow and what the arc was going to be. But now you could do that deeper detail. Um, And I think that's important. And and you also mentioned that even though it didn't disrupt the flow, you did end up adding a character (laughs) in the middle of all of this. I couldn't help myself. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me about how that went. Well, I I was looking back at my emails and I came upon the email when all of a sudden Mike says, so I have this new character who (laughs) she appears in the sequel. So I think I need a, he said, a breadcrumb (laughs) to add. Now, when I think of breadcrumb, it's this tiny little... Mention. Just a mention. It may not even be by name. It's just Uh this tiny little thing planted. A hint. A hint. No, this breadcrumb was about uh, two or three chapters long. That's not a breadcrumb. And it changed the entire trajectory of... of, (laughs) The last uh, third of the manuscript. And you know what? We did it. Uh And we made it work because we were deep enough in the the manuscript itself to understand that the story really did need this new character. And you had enough of a partnership. Yes. And by that time, you had enough of a history. Yeah. So there was trust. And so when this new person, character arrived yeah you made her welcome yes and you found her home yes. in the book and, and and not only that but uh, you know there were different chapters that maybe we had to go back to maybe there needed to be literal breadcrumbs leading mm-hmm. up to it uh, like i said and then how to insert that how to insert that and we really felt our way through it i thought it wasn't something that was just a in a dropping well, and in. If you had dropped it in, that would have been a sore spot. It would oh, have stuck out. Yes. And you would have, what, well, who did, why? This yes. Just, where did, so, yes. how to embed it. And I think we've all read books like that where yeah. we just all of a sudden say, this is what? like, it. this came out of nowhere. Yeah, Hello. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. One of the things that you said to me uh, a few weeks ago when we were talking about doing the show is you need a professional edit. Everyone could kind of like nod their head and go, mm-hmm. yes. But you talked about something a little different. You said, but you deserve 
the immersion support. Absolutely. So and tell me about that. Deserve, that feels like a heavy word. Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, gee, I deserve something. And absolutely, Uh you know, like you said, books need to be edited uh, on their own level, and it depends on, you know, again, we talked last week, what are you going to do with this book? Are you mm-hmm. going to publish it? Are you going to, you know, have it for friends and family? Whichever level you need, that's, you know, yeah, you're going to have some editing along with that, and mm-hmm. that's going to be the things that are just on the page and, and, and the polish and putting things together. But beyond that, you do deserve to have a partner in this process who understands your book, who understands you, who respects you, who knows that this is an emotional experience. Um, and even if, you know, there are not every book does tap into the author's immediate personal experiences. But of course, we all put ourselves in our book. Mm-hmm. There's There's a lot of fact and fiction uh and that's that's the the process that i go through to be able to say i'm here to uphold this mm-hmm. and yeah you do deserve this you mm-hmm. deserve to have someone go deeper and you deserve to go deeper yourself right, right. to not have someone else tell you no no we're not going to just add in another character it's i won't and, allow that no and it's easy to think that there's a formula and you just have to figure out the formula yeah and I loved when you said earlier, I think it was last week, when you were telling us about um, how your wife kicked you under the table when you first were a little defensive <laughs> about it, that there's there's some of that that needs to go on. You know, that how do you allow yourself to be vulnerable to to someone that will help guide you to a place where you will be better heard by an audience? Yes, indeed. I mean, that's exactly right. It was Angela. The uh, the process was pretty clear that the contributions she made to that were all, were all positive and... Uh, the ideas and the wording, uh, and it's just getting the message in, getting the well, getting the emotional process down. Uh, no small job for a lot of people who can't get their hands around their mind around that. Uh, even today, I mean, it's I deal with a lot of people that can't deal with that, and you did a wonderful job with that. Well, I want to thank you both for being with me for these last two weeks and sharing your experience and having our audience learn about the process so they may be inspired to do a bit more, Yeah, actually get out there and have that story uh, take shape and to have a partner and and to learn from someone who did take that partnership and what it meant to them. So again, I want to make sure everyone has The Dark Side of the Sun on your holiday gifting list. It's a wonderful book. Uh, Read it first and then then you'll know that you want to give it to a bunch of other people. That's what I ended up doing. All my my family have now gotten The Dark Side of the Sun. Uh, MichaelDardis.com is where you would find that. And then to find this wonderful partner, uh, Angela Weekman, who can take your book uh, or whatever it is that you want to write um, and make it come real. Make it for your family. Make it for the public. Whatever that is, go to Angela Weekman. Go to AMW Editing and learn about Angela Weekman's work. It's wonderful. Thank you. So thank you all for being a part of this. Thank you, Lori. Appreciate it. Fantastic. Have a great week.